This is The Creative Funding Show, a podcast for authors, YouTubers, and podcasters who want to fund the work they love without selling out. Welcome back to The Creative Funding Show. I am Thomas Umstadt Jr., and with me is Bremner Morris, the head of Patreon's Creator Partnership and success teams, and he also has a street name named after him here in Austin, Texas. <laughs> right off of Slaughter Road. <laughs> right off of Slaughter Lane, which is not named after historic slaughter in Austin, by the way. It's named after a guy. Anyway, Bremner, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So in this episode, I want to talk about um, newbie mistakes that people make on Patreon, because you do a lot of consulting with patrons, in fact, or with creators. In fact, this was your primary job for several months, is just helping people take their pages to the next level, because there's just having a page on Patreon is not enough. Uh, so so I guess the first question is, how does a creator know when they're ready to start a Patreon page? When is when do they know that their fan base is big enough to justify it? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and I think it does depend on the, every specific creator. Um, there are some creators who only have a few thousand fans um, who are doing really well on Patreon because they have a very deep and uh, unique relationship with those patrons. And then there are some folks who have millions of fans who uh, may not have as deep of a relationship. And so there's a different outcome there. Um, but from our perspective, it's really about when you have developed that deep relationship with your fans where they would want to engage with you in an ongoing recurring uh, basis. And also understanding if you were to convert, you know, call it 0.5% to 10% of those fans, um, would that be a compelling value proposition and um, enough of a return on your investment? Um, one of the things that we work with creators on is essentially financially modeling out um, what their um, potential earnings could look like. And what we typically um, tell creators is that you have your total addressable audience, which are the number of folks that you engage with um, out in the wild. Um, maybe they see your show once or you know, they've come back a couple times, but really they're not yet a fan. They're a folk, somebody who knows who you are. Um, and then they move into becoming a fan. Um, and that's probably a much smaller uh, portion of your fan base or of your total addressable audience. Um, and out of that fan base, then there's a very, not very small, but a smaller component um, that are your potential members or your potential patrons. Um, and typically we see that out of your fan base or your subscriber base, that's anywhere between 0.5% to upwards of 10% um, that would be willing to convert into a fan. Do you have some sort of online tool where people can just punch in their numbers and get those numbers? Because I, I could see that being very popular to just get an idea of like what's the possibilities. Here. Not yet, but that's actually one of our opportunity assessments for um, one of our product teams to actually build that out um, so that when folks come in um, and think about launching a, a Patreon page, um, they understand what the potential return could be. Because uh, one of the important things to, to note is that offering a membership business um, is an investment. Um, there's an investment from a marketing standpoint in educating your fans on why you're launching a membership business and then marketing it on an ongoing basis. And then also, obviously, you're you have a recurring sort of contract or subscription with your fans. Um, so as a result, uh, you are sort of beholden to fulfilling benefits or rewards on a, on a uh, regular cadence, which is an investment in and of itself. That's right. And uh, one mistake is you can make is you have five backers and suddenly have to do all this work to keep those five backers uh, right. happy. I, I heard a, a cool trick on an earlier episode of doing on a per thing instead of a per month basis and say, well, I'm not going to charge anybody until I have at least 50 yeah. backers or something to help protect you from that. Yeah. Uh, 
that was one of our, or that was our earliest business model. Um, so when Jack first launched launched the business, it was all about subscribing on a per thing basis. So anytime he released a video, um, his fans would, you know, they said, "Hey, I'm going to pledge X amount of dollars per video um, at a cap of, you know, call it ten times X um, or whatever it was." Um, but essentially, they said, "I'm going to pay per video." Um, but what we realized is that a lot of creators were essentially turning it into an ongoing subscription service. Um, so it made sense for us to offer that as um, a capability of the platform. And now the majority of creators on our platform um, use that ongoing subscription and membership relationship. Um, it's more predictable. Um, it's also easier for um, patrons to understand. Um, and it's more predictable from their standpoint because they know exactly how many, you know, how much they have to pay on a monthly basis. Um, but also it aligns with the way the industry is moving. Um, as we mentioned on the last time I was on the episode. Yeah, it's very scary. It's like, oh, I'll do it per YouTube video. And then yeah. suddenly they're like, I'm going to post 10 YouTube videos. Yeah. And you, I realize you can put the cap, but I, yeah. I get the impression that not a lot of people put in a cap. Uh, of how many, like with the max per month? Yeah, I mean, I w- it, I, we don't have any data, or at least I don't have any data that um, shows how many people have a cap. But, um, you know, most of these folks are your most loyal fans. Um, so as a result, they are pretty much in um, for however much you create. Um, so they want to be there to support your craft. Um, so I don't, I don't know, but I would assume that there's a lot of folks who don't have a cap. Yeah. So somebody is looking at their fan base and they're like, I think I have enough fans. I either have a small Spartan, you know, 300 Spartans who are going to yeah. stand by me, you know, no matter what, or I have a thousand Athenians or yeah. 10,000 Athenians. Uh, no, no offense to Athens. Y'all have a, had a great Navy 2000 years ago. I, I hear we have a lot of people listening from <laughs> Athens. <laughs> I, I'm learning. I have to be careful with Europeans. I don't want to unnecessarily <laughs> offend them. But uh, so somebody's decided, okay, I want to, I pull the trigger. I, I feel like I've got an audience that can justify it. Cause I will say probably the, Number one newbie mistake is thinking, oh, I have a big enough audience. I can just launch on Patreon and it's going to be successful. And the reality is the audience has to come first. Uh, So somebody who does have an audience, what are some common mistakes they make um, launching their Patreon page? Yeah. So a couple things. One, um, launching a Patreon page is not enough. Um, You're essentially launching a membership membership business. And a lot of the requirements associated with a membership business are ongoing marketing and education of your fan base, ongoing engagement with that fan base, um, and then also the articulation of what that membership business means for your fans. Um, So there are a lot of folks who launch their Patreon page and then they're like, where is everybody? Because um, they're not doing the work to acquire the audience um, and and then convert that audience audience into a paying member. Um, so the number one mistake is not build it, building out a compelling marketing plan associated with the launch of your membership service. And the easiest marketing plan is just create a Google Doc or Word Doc, put the next 14 days in it yeah. and put some bullet point of what you're going to do during that day yeah. to market your uh, campaign. And, you know, that's a really simple plan, but that will make a huge difference. Yeah. We and we we build out these, um, when we're consulting with creators, these you know, massive workback schedules um, talking about on what days are you going to talk about what component of your membership campaign. Um, and a lot of it, it's about building the momentum associated with the launch. Um, you want your fans to be paying attention when you do actually launch your membership service. Um, so we've seen a lot of folks tease that something really exciting is coming up. Um, we've seen a lot of folks sort of... Um, uh, you know, sort of pull their audience and understand what are the things that they would want as a part of a membership service. Um, and that sort of gets them a little bit excited, but building momentum up to that initial uh, launch and then having some type of compelling event associated with that launch. Most most people, 
most fans, I know myself included, would probably delay a financial decision for a long time because it's like, wait, I'm going to spend 10 bucks, bucks this month. You know what? I'll think about that in three months. If there's some type of compelling event or limited benefit that I get for signing up on that date or something that says you have to do it today versus three months from now, that makes a big difference as well. Um, and then once people are engaged, making sure that you have a form for that engagement to sort of flow. Um, so on the first day of membership, making sure that you're available, that you're there for uh, questions, that you're also there for the folks that sign up so that they feel the you know really unique and special vibe of becoming a member. Um, you know, these folks are really looking for that um, deeper and potentially emotional connection with you as the creator. Um, and it's exciting on your launch day if you can be there for them. That's right. And live events, online live events, I find a really good way to do that. So when we launched the Novel Marketing Patreon campaign, our Facebook Live that we hyped really big leading up to it was a huge driver yeah. in our initial patrons signing up. And, uh, you know, in-person real a live event could be even better, but that's suddenly real super expensive and complicated <laughs> and uh, difficult uh, to pull off. So uh, it's important. So you're saying it's important to kind of put that plan together to tease it so yeah. it doesn't come out of nowhere and then uh, have a a big kind of limited event. Yeah. And, and in a sense, there's nothing particularly um, novel about this, no. right? Like PBS yeah. doesn't get their pledges from and viewers like you at the yeah. beginning of the episodes. The, this show is brought to you by viewers like you is to remind you yeah. why you're a member. Yeah. Uh, the, they get their pledges from their big pledge drive once yeah. a year. So they have, you know, the people sitting at the phone. I don't know if you ever watched a PBS oh, yeah. pledge drive. When I was totally. a kid, I was, you know, mesmerized. Yeah. <laughs> and those when they played Lord of the Dance or River Dance or whatever, which is yeah. my, my oh, I've seen those. Really sure. into, yeah. So they'd always play that only during the pledge drive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and lots of ice skating, I remember. Uh, but uh, so, kind of what you're recommending is to have that, to kick things off with something like that. Yeah. And then maybe you revisit it a year uh, you know, in the future of some other limited time yeah. event. And it doesn't have to be contrived, it could be attached to something very real. Um, yeah. So, like, you know, names in an album. Yeah. Right? It's a, a classic example. Yeah. So, um, Natalie Dawn, who's uh, our CEO, Jack's wife, um, she, uh, did a campaign associated with getting all of her patrons' names in an album. They had to sign up on a certain, um, you know, a period of time, and then they were going to get featured in the album cover. And that was a huge driver of, of her success and her initial sign up. And then once you have all these people sign up, you actually then have to convert them into an ongoing recurring relationship. So there are tactics associated with quote unquote acquisition. Um, and then there are tactics with ongoing retention. Um, one of the things that you just mentioned with uh, the PBS example um, of mentioning and viewers like you is driving fan recognition and calling attention to the fact that you have a membership program um, is a really effective way of quote unquote marketing your um you know, membership campaign, um, while not necessarily saying explicitly, hey, support me on Patreon. You're one um, sort of giving recognition to the fans that have contributed to you and to your craft, um, but then also two, to the folks that haven't, sort of highlighting that, and viewers like you, and you also get X, Y, and Z in return for becoming a member. Um, so there are very creative ways that you can uh, drive acquisition efforts on an ongoing basis through your you know, uh, broadcasts, if you will. That's right. And the best ones, and this is always frustrating advice, but the best ones are tied uniquely to what you're creating. Right. So there's not one silver bullet. A lot of people are like, oh, what's the easy, like the one thing to do? And it's like the one silver bullet is put people's names on stuff. <laughs> but other than that, yeah. it really depends on what you're creating. Like, yeah. because what works for a musician may be very different from what works for a podcaster. Yeah. Now, the fact that they have a microphone in front of them doesn't suddenly make the way that they acquire 
uh, new members uh, or new backers uh, the same way. So let's talk a little bit about those rewards. About so Natalie Dawn, yeah. right? She had a lot of people who wanted to have be immortalized yeah. for all time in her compact disc jewel case, yeah. which I feel like alone kind of puts it in a point of time. Right. I, I, and I'd be very curious if we're still using those in ten years. Um, you know, now she'd have invited them, put them on the record. We'll be listening to those thousands right. right now. <laughs> So other so, but what kind of rewards uh, uh, work well, and what mistakes do uh, patrons make with creating those rewards? So um, we break it out into f- about five categories. Um, so I just mentioned fan recognition; that's a huge driver of both acquisition and retention. Um, and if you uh, mention that as a component of your rewards, it's sort of this additive, um, you know, uh, stamp and like badge that that uh, patron carries with them. Um, in the physical world, potentially, but also um, in the digital world. Get a so, little sticker. Yeah, you get a sticker online <laughs> as well. Um, and that's something that we're investing in um, to be able to have that recognition live with you across the internet. Um, and there's some other really cool um, uh, examples of fan recognition. I was at a live podcast um, event here in Austin during South by Southwest. Um, and one of the podcasts, uh, podcast shows brought all their patrons onto stage. Um, and allow them to participate in this live podcast. And they probably had, you know, 15 to 20 folks up on stage. Um, but imagine if you're this loyal fan, you've been contributing or, you know, subscribing at 10 bucks a month, and then you get to get up on stage with your favorite uh, podcast. It's huge. It's huge. And everyone in the audience is now going, how do I become a patron? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so not only is it a retention mechanism, as you mentioned, it's also an acquisition mechanism. Um, but so fan recognition is one. Um, number two is engagement. Um, so the ability to engage with the, the creator themselves, that could be through live streams. It could be through an ask me anything. It could be through um, a polling feature, but essentially the ability to engage with that um, creator on an ongoing basis um, really does drive up a ton of conversion, especially for your most loyal fans. Um, you know, it'd be like you get to jam with the black keys if you're a huge black keys fan, as an example. Um, but uh, engagement is the second, uh, a really second compelling uh, benefit bucket that we've seen. And the easiest way to do that is to just send a message thanking patrons for becoming a patron. Like yeah. this is the easiest thing. I, I heard this from uh, Tom at Graftrion. He's yeah. like, he sends a message to every single person who signs up to become a patron. And that's a really great way of starting that conversation because that thread is now created. They get that little notification and yeah. it makes you a, a real person uh, to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing. Um, and we mentioned this in the last episode. The patrons are supporting you as the creator. Um, they may be there for the benefits and they really love the content 100%, but they're also supporting you in totality. Um, and so there's a bunch of stuff that you may be doing that you don't necessarily know would be a compelling benefit. But for your most loyal fans, they may love to see um, you know, the uh, unfinished manuscript of a you know piece of your music or um, sort of the things that didn't make the cut when you were writing the um, the book that you were writing. Um, so there's a ton of stuff that is just sort of like the uh, periphery of what you um, are creating that is really compelling to your most loyal fans. Um, the third is digital offers. So that's um, on our uh, exclusive uh, digital rewards. That could be an exclusive video. That could be behind the scenes content. That could be, um, you know, a badge as we mentioned. Um, but there's a bunch of different ways that you can digitally fulfill rewards. And that's an area where we're investing significantly around, um, both products that Patreon's building, um, like lens, which I mentioned on our, our, uh, previous episode, which is essentially ethereal video that you can offer to your fan base. Um, but also in all the integrations that we have with, with engagement platforms. 
those engagement platforms really are, um, you know, digital offers that you can then offer back out to your fan base. And the platform is really great for podcasters because right. it, it handles all of the technology of delivering that bonus episode. In yeah. fact, there's some podcasts that I follow that I really love. And I have in, in at least one case, I gave $20 to their fundraising episode for a yeah. bunch of bonus episodes that I have never listened to because they come in a zip file that then I would have to like export and then sync to my computer and then put it on my phone. And it's just so much hassle. Yeah. And and the hassle of creating a custom RSS feed for per person yeah. is really high. Like most podcasters nowadays don't even know what an RSS yeah. feed is. That's all handled by their podcast yeah. host. And uh, I'm, I'm very thankful that that easily that would be a feature like, oh, yeah, that's on our roadmap. At some point, yeah. we'll accommodate podcasters. Like, no, that's yeah. already there, yeah. which is the, one of the primary ways that I deliver digital goods on our other um, show. You know, there's a special Q&A episode. And we also have a bundle episode where since we have such a big backlog, we'll take all of the episodes on a certain topic. So, you know, we'll talk about Facebook marketing. In the last five years, we've had four or five episodes on Facebook marketing. So we put them together. And now it's like an hour and a half episode with different guests just on Facebook. And that was really easy for us to put together and but really high value and very easy to deliver. Yeah. So the. Completely. I think that that's the other thing to note is that there are folks that want sort of either that back catalog or the uncut episode or the, um, you know, bonus content that may not have that may have been cut that didn't make the uh, final version. Um, All of that is super valuable to your most loyal fans. And the nice thing in the podcasting space is that we have a really easy mechanism to fulfill those through our our private RSS feed. Um, And that's one of the things that as we're maturing as a business, we're starting to focus on um, specific categories. And then what are the um, specific features that we need to build against those categories to help them better fulfill digital rewards? Um, So if it's in the video space, maybe we build a partnership with a video hosting uh, provider. Um, If it's in the podcasting space, obviously it's those uh, partnerships that we may have with, um, you know, the the players um, that a a patron can use. Um, And there's a variety of other areas where we may invest across categories to make it a more um, compelling platform opportunity for our, our creators. Um, the, the fourth is around access and insight. Um, so the insight into your creative process and understanding of um, how you create, what you're creating, um, and then also the ability to participate. So that could be that they get to participate in a show. Um, that could be that they get to be pulled on what to what you're going to feature next on your show. Um, but access and insight into your creative process. Again, these are this, this is like your you know gold club member, right? And they expect to be able to participate in that way. Um, but it's also a really great way of keeping them engaged um, and uh, you know offering them that benefit of becoming a member. Um, and then the final one is physical offers. So merchandise. Um, That's scary, scary yeah. thing. Shipping boxes and boxes <laughs> exactly. to all your thousands of fans. Exactly. And we've had a bunch of folks offer merchandise um, as a compelling benefit on our platform. And we've recognized that that investment is just brutal. Um, and so as a result, we're building products that will make that really easy, where it's just an automated function through Patreon that if somebody signs up at a tier that offers merchandise, um, there's going to be the ability to fulfill that through partners that we have in the background that are then um, doing all that shipping, all the boxing, all the inventory management, um, and also doing that on the time scale that you set up within our system. So maybe it says after six months, they get X, and after 12 months, they get Y. Um, we want to make that really easy uh, because we've seen that that's a super 
super valuable um, benefit for for fans. And working with partners is really key. I, I have a friend who runs a fulfillment center, and oftentimes when somebody signs up with their fulfillment center, the fee that they charge is less than the discount that they get from UPS because they ship so much stuff with UPS. And so it ends up not costing our clients hardly anything to have them do the fulfillment because UPS really doesn't want to deal with you coming to Office Depot with a box. Like for them, that's really expensive, right? The number of people who have to touch that. And so they give really big discounts to really organized operations. And so there's a lot of potential. Well, there's the discounts, but also um, this relates to probably where we're taking the conversation. But um, one of the ways when we're thinking about rewards um, or benefits is that there's a investment associated with it. There's a certain amount of cost to a creator in fulfilling those rewards. Um, and one of the things that creators never take into account is the cost of their time. Um, and so especially in the merchandise space, um, that time, they sort of give that away for free and it is super costly. Um, so the amount of time that we can reduce by offering those um uh, automated features and and relationships with um, uh, you know backend fulfillment mechanisms, that is a huge benefit to our our creator base. Um, and we really, when we're thinking about any type of reward that or benefit that a creator would offer, we want to make sure that they're thinking about it on sort of this equation: what one, what's the impact with your fan base? How impactful is that going to be in converting them and then retaining them on an ongoing basis? And that's going to be unique to every single fan base. Um, for one fan base, maybe an extra episode is what's going to make them a loyal fan and a loyal subscriber for two years. For another fan base, it's that they want the merchandise at a year um, you know, interval. For another fan base, it could be that they really want to show up to their live event and be brought on stage. So it's different per fan base, but um, just understanding what the impact is of those benefits um, can better help you, one, price them, but also, two, um, figure out what your offers are that you would offer through um, through your membership program. But that should really then be offset by the effort. So impact versus effort. And if the effort's super high, then either you should offer it, but offer it at a very high uh, price point, or not offer it at all. Um, and if the effort's super low, um, then that maybe means that you can offer it at a lower price point. A good thing to do is to decide what your time is worth. Yeah. Be like, I'm not doing anything that's not bringing back at least $25 an hour, yeah. $50 an hour. It almost doesn't even matter what the price is. Yeah. It's just that you have some sort of number to that. So you're able to use it to make decisions. Right. Because uh, I know a lot of authors, when they calculate some of the activities that they do, like say social media marketing for their yeah. books, they're making 25 cents an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you can make more money on the side of the road with a cardboard sign, you need to change what you're doing. <laughs> it's like this is not working. Yeah. Uh, so make that pivot. Um, now, so we talked about rewards. I want to talk briefly about videos. Yeah. Uh, now, in the, uh, there's a huge gamut of, of video quality. So YouTubers pretty much exclusively have amazing videos. They knock them out of the park. Uh, they're on one end of the spectrum. And then you have authors on the other end of the spectrum, often who don't have a video at all, yeah. right? They're like, I'm so scared of having a video. I don't want to have a video. Yeah. Uh, and then you have podcasters that are kind of in the middle, yeah. right? They're, they're cool with the audio, right? Like my videos, the audio is great. <laughs> video part, not so great. Yeah. So, so what are some best practices when it comes to creating a compelling, hey, welcome to my Patreon page video? Yeah. So I'll take a quick step back and uh, talk about the need to educate your fan base. Um, so most of your fans are used to engaging with you in a free manner. Um, you know, they maybe consume your podcast for free. They may consume your uh, video for free on YouTube. If you're an author, you know, they're used to paying $10 for your book, $20 for your book. But then pretty much beyond that, they're consuming most of your content for free. Um, and 
in reality, a lot of that content is paid for by ad dollars or by, um, you know, your book deal or something like that. But, um, at the end of the day, most of your fans are not used to engaging with you in this paid manner. Um, and so as a result, there's a ton of education that needs to go into converting that fan to understand why they need to subscribe, um, at a paid rate for your content. One is establishing that what you create is valuable. Um, and that, uh, is something that I think is more of an internal conversation that a lot of creators have to have. Um, and I've heard that from many folks that I'm talking, that I've talked to that, um, they don't necessarily view their content as valuable. And I think that that's sort of what this industry has, um, you know, uh, pushed forward is that things are free. It's very ethereal, right? Um, so first is value your content. Um, and then second, talk to your fans about one, either why the industry doesn't value your content today and how that's impacting you as a creator and impacting your ability to be independent. Um, and then two, also educating them about what they get in return for becoming this loyal um, supporter slash member. Um, and so th that's like at a super high level, you need to educate your fan base and you need to talk to them about the value that you're creating and the value for value exchange that you're entering into as part of your membership base. Um, how you do that, can be in a video, it can be in a blog post, it could be on a podcast, it could be wherever you're comfortable, but it's really important that you have that educational arc of, hey, I'm, I'm offering a membership program and here's why. Um, yeah, it's uh, what I create is valuable and I need either your support or I want to engage in a membership relationship with you so I can continue to create on an ongoing basis. Here's the benefit that I get back as a creator and here's the benefit that you get as a fan. That's sort of the script, if you will. Um, but then- uh, And how, mentioning Patreon's not enough. Because well, a lot of people are like, oh, well, yeah. everyone knows what a Patreon campaign is and how it works. And you know, I was at an event yesterday and somebody came in who was not from the event. And they're like, what's Patreon? Yeah. And, and if you're in the YouTube world, you're like, how do you not know it? Like every, every other video ends with, you know, please support us on Patreon. But the reality is, is that a good portion of the population, especially the older half, I would say, the not YouTube, you know, channel subscribing half of the population may not understand what Patreon is. Or maybe they hear the word at the end of videos, but they don't know what it means. Yeah. I mean, right now, um, and this is something we're investing in as a business, is building out more of a brand um, equity with what Patreon means. But really, um, if we had, if Patreon faded into the background and if our um, brand wasn't for front and foremost in the relationship between the creator and their fans, that's okay to us. Um, so as a result, what we've educated a lot of our creators on is that their messaging should be more about membership and less about Patreon. Um, Patreon, people, sometimes their eyes glaze over. It's like, what the heck is a Patreon? Or more importantly, sometimes they've heard it 50 times because they've watched 50 YouTubers who have a Patreon and it doesn't carry the same resonance as, hey, I'm launching a membership service or I'm launching a paid for fan club or I'm launching X, Y, and Z that directly describes what you're offering. It's not describing this platform, right? Like Patreon is a platform um, and uh, we are a platform that powers membership businesses. Um, it's not like people who are launching a online e-commerce store say, hey, I'm launching a Shopify, right? Um, so our uh, advice is to anchor it back to something that your fan base knows, membership, fan club, those types of things, and then describe what that means to the fan specifically. Um, so we've seen a lot of folks say, support me on Patreon and nothing else. And that's really ineffective at educating your fan base saying I'm launching a membership business. And that includes 
X, Y, and Z in terms of benefits back to you. Um, and it's really exciting for me because it allows me to create independently into perpetuity. It gives me an ongoing sustainable stream of income. It allows me to engage more deeply with my fan base. Um, and, and sometimes you can even brand it separately. So yeah. like Philip DeFranco doesn't yeah. say back me on Patreon. He yeah. says, join DeFranco elite, totally. right? which is a great way of doing it because it makes me curious. It, it, yeah. it gives me a hint that this is okay. This is for the super fans yeah. and it leads me to learn more. And there's nothing keeping you from doing that with whatever it is you're creating. You can even steal the word elite for, for DeFranco doesn't own that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Although he can come on the show if he wants and tell me not to, to, to encourage right. it. Um, so, okay. So you need to educate. And that's probably the number one thing with the video is you're educating kind of from a high level, you know, why the Patreon exists and why you have a reward. It's not necessarily going through each individual reward because uh, that often gets you into trouble, I feel, because as soon as you make a change to your rewards, which likely is going to happen pretty early. And, People often make mistakes with their rewards when first getting started. And, you know, people are wanting different things, they're backers, and they make tweaks. And suddenly now you have to recut the whole video because yeah. you walk through each reward with step by yeah. step. It's more about at a high level what this uh, membership business offers you. Um, and one of the other things, you know, talking about DeFranco Elite, but just in general, talking about your membership program with confidence and with excitement and with this sort of vigor. Um, you want your fans to be excited about this launch. And we have seen some folks early on in Patreon's um, uh, existence that were sort of apologetic about launching a membership program or apologetic about, quote unquote, asking their fans for money. You're not asking your fans for money. You are entering into a value for value exchange that is really exciting for your fan base because they get to engage with you in a more uh, exclusive and deep manner than they could just sort of out there on the internet. Um, and so you want to... Um, sort of capture that excitement and uh, pitch your membership program with confidence. Um, I, you know, we haven't done like a sentiment analysis of uh, um, effectiveness of uh, videos against, um, you know, the, the membership dollars that they drive, but just, you know, intuitively, I would say that most people who talk about their membership business with vigor, excitement, confidence that describe the benefits are more successful than somebody who sort of says, I'm sorry that I like, I'm asking you for money or please support me on Patreon. Um, those are definitely some things that I would say are like anti best practices. And I've definitely seen it different channel to channel. So authors are perhaps the most apologetic, uh, YouTubers. It's interesting. There's been a shift. Uh, it, they used to be more apologetic and now it's like help protect me from the evil YouTube who's yeah. been demonetizing me. Yeah. And that totally puts it into a different frame. I, in some some ways, I feel like they are overblowing the demonetization threat that YouTube has been doing. And yeah. I, have, I have a lot to say about demonetization because a lot of it's been coming from traditional media, which sees the YouTube advertising dollars as a direct threat to their business model. So like mainstream media, whether it's biased or not in general, I feel like there's a very clear financial bias when they attack YouTube yeah. and, oh, oh, if you spend your advertising dollars on YouTube, here's this one obscure creator who's a Nazi, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, but there's like a million people creating on YouTube. Like yeah. that's 0.0001%. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to get off <laughs> on that as a conversation for another time. I'll get somebody who's angry and get on the show. <laughs> I, we can get angry, but, um, you know, I think that, you make a good point that um, the vibe has changed um, and there is there is a problem for a lot of folks who used to make a sustainable income on YouTube um, that they are no longer doing that. And, you know, we have some creators who have millions and millions of subscribers on YouTube who are uh, making near nothing in ad revenue. Um, and again, you know, back to our last episode, that's why Jack created the company. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the 
predictability of this revenue and also the ability to offer um, something that is creatively independent to your fan base is really compelling to a creator. Um, we recently launched a, a creator. I don't know if you're familiar with Cyanide and Happiness, um, but they're an online digital comic. Um, they make digital shorts um, and they, you know, it's stick figures and they have butts. <laughs> the stick figures have butts and they got completely demonetized to the point where they were making almost a tenth of what they used to make because of a uh, stick figure butt. And um, Ah, you too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But you know, there's they have 12 million subscribers, um, give or take, on YouTube, and they are not making enough to sustain the business. Um, and so they recently launched and said, "Look, if we want to continue to make sort of quote unquote uncensored content, um, to have digital butts, uh, some big air quotes here for uncensored, <laughs> yeah, um, that uh, we need to have this ongoing sustainable stream of income, and we want to be able to do that because our fan base really loves." the you know hilarity with which we do our digital comics and our digital shorts um and that was really compelling to their fan base um but it you know it's part of a broader arc that there are these sort of um wide swath um decisions that are made by the algorithm quote unquote um that are then impacting uh folks that make content that doesn't really um offend or isn't really on the, um, you know, and as you mentioned, like the Nazi side of things, it's more, um, you know, folks that just have something that maybe isn't appealing to the big advertisers. And as a result, um, you know, they're now not making any money. The algorithm is paying more attention to the five people who are offended than the 12 million people who happily subscribe. Uh, so back to b mistakes that beginners yeah. make. So we talked about videos. We talked about, um, you know, rewards. Let's talk a little bit about engaging with patrons. Yeah. Uh, what, what are some mistakes that uh, beginning Patreon users, creators uh, make when engaging with their patrons? Um, that's a really good question. I think that uh, one of the mistakes, uh, and I wouldn't call it a mistake, it's just sort of like an oversight um, that creators make is that, um, you know, these folks uh, are subscribing to you in order to either consume content or and, you know, be a benefits oriented uh, patron or to support you. Um, and that may mean that their engagement continues to live on YouTube or live on Twitch or wherever they engage with you today um, via email. Um but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to migrate over to Patreon. So one of the things, you know, there are a lot of folks that, um, you know, cre creators, when they establish their Patreon page, they're like, I'm not having a ton of engagement. And it's like, well, that's because they're using Patreon as a way to transact with you. And then they may go back to engaging with you where they engaged with you in the past. Um, so, you know, there's a... Um, a misunderstanding that Patreon needs to become the hub of engagement for your fan base. It could like hundred percent, but it doesn't always have to. Um, so that's one, not mistake, but just, um, you know, misalignment, if you will. So as long as you are doing a good job engaging with your fans, yeah. That's what matters. It doesn't ma matter that they're leaving their comment on Patreon.com as opposed to leaving their comment on your blog yeah. or you know leaving a comment on Facebook. The, what matters is the fact that you're engaging them somewhere. Yeah, but knowing who those folks are, that's important, right? Like knowing that I'm your $10 patron um, when I comment on your Twitter, that's important because I'm I sort of expect that exclusive level experience. It's like if I, you know, am a, a top member of a sports club when I call in. Um, you expect to have somebody talk to you in, in a different manner than somebody who's not a member, if you will. Um, and so, you know, it's that differentiated experience for the folks that are um, contributing to your craft, um, but doing that across the internet. 
Um, and you know, to that point, that's where our platform API comes in because it can talk to different services and let MailChimp know that th this is your 10% of your overall audience base who are your specialized uh, fans. So email them something different or, um, you know, on a Twitch as an example or within Reddit, hey, these are your folks that are your fans engage with them um, in a differentiated manner. Yeah, I got a uh, long email from somebody who didn't like one of my podcast episodes on my other show. And it was this long rambling email. It was a very unhappy person. And at the bottom, they were like, yeah, I'm not a patron, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I remember as I was reading that, I was like, if they were a patron and they'd sent yeah. me this long email, I absolutely would have responded yeah. and like given them this like carefully considered, like, you know, thank you for your feedback. Yeah. And, and, you know, I read it, right? And it's, you know, going around in my head. But it's like, man, if this person's not a patron, do I really owe them a, re a response to the long, angry? Because there's a lot of angry people on the internet. Totally. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to convert you into yeah. a not angry person. We, one of the, our, some of our creators called patron on a troll free zone um, <laughs> because it's you have to pay to troll <laughs> on, on Patreon. The one safe place yeah, on the internet. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if that's 100% true, but um, it's likely true that a troll is not going to pay $10 a month in order to, um, you know, give I, I will say that uh, the interactions that we've gotten, uh, you know, our QA episode have been. Uh, you know, because we, we ask people for questions and they are the best, most positive interactions we have with our fans because these are people who are smart. They're asking good questions and uh, they're really wanting to get better. You know, it's it's marketing. The other podcast is marketing podcast. And so these are people who are taking it seriously. Yeah. And that's like our most fun episode that we do the entire month because like we and it's not a huge group. Yeah. And so we get to know these people and we're able to give them more focused answers. And the fact that the answers aren't going out to thousands and thousands of subscribers are just going out to a handful of yeah. patrons. It, it's it's a more intimate and it's it's more fun because yeah. like, creating yeah. on the Internet is hard. Because yeah. there's always going to be those jealous people or those angry people who are they're having a hard time in their personal life. And for some reason, your YouTube channel just got their attention <laughs> yeah. and they just feel the need for you to feel the pain that they feel. Yeah. And it's and it's in, in navigating that is hard oh, and, yeah. and having a place where it is free from that yeah. or 99 percent free from that yeah. is is really nice. And I, and I can't think of a better way to create a troll free zone than to create a paid access only. Right? Yeah. Like and, and patron Patreon really does lock people who aren't patrons out. Mm -hmm. Right. You can look and kind of observe, yeah. but there's no commenting. There's no back and forth. Yeah. The um, you know, one of the other things, this is a side topic, but um, that we've seen across our creator base is that a lot of creators are excited about joining Patreon because they're joining a community of other creators and they may face challenges like that where um, on the, you know, wild, wild west of the Internet, there's a very, um, you know, wide swath of individuals who engage with you and it can be super positive. It can be super negative, um, but it's tough to be an Internet creator today. And so um, a lot of our creators are super excited when we are doing these like meetups and stuff like that where they can engage um, with their uh, other creators and talk about those challenges. Um, and that we've seen that at our, you know, our community meetups, it's far less about, um, you know, talking about Patreon, it's far more about talking about, hey, here's the challenges I face as a creator in general on the internet. Because it's hard to get that sense of community from normal people, yeah. right? Because people are like, what are you talking about? You have so much attention. Yeah. You know, how are these negative comments? You know, like that's, it's just hard to understand what it's like. So um, final question, other than listening to the Creative Funding Show, how do people connect with that community of creators and yeah. that Patreon community of creators? Yeah, 
uh, creative funding shows, number one. <laughs> um, so the, there's a few ways. One, um, we have a uh, online um, capability to learn more about how to be successful on Patreon. Um, right now that's housed at learn.patreon.com, um, but likely moving in the near future. So um, if you go to patreon.com, there's going to be a whole section of educational materials. Um, two, once you sign up to Patreon, there's also the opportunity to uh, enter into our community. Um, and there's a community forum where people can share their challenges and talk about um one, how to be better, how to be a better creator on Patreon, but more importantly, how to just drive internet creativity. Um, and then three, you know, we've been doing this thing since the beginning of this year where we're doing uh, quote unquote Patreon on tour, um, where we're going to a bunch of different markets and talking about how to be successful on Patreon, but more importantly, just bringing the community together. Um, and uh, typically we tweet that out. So um, if we're coming to a market near you uh, or a city near you, um, stay tuned to Patreon's Twitter. Um, and usually it's myself and a few other folks um, from our team that are coming in and sort of facilitating a discussion. Um, and then there's, you know, uh, folks like yourself who hosted a Patreon <laughs> meetup last night. Um, and we are also super open if you are a Patreon creator and you want to talk about, um, you know, hosting these meetups in your city and we're not there, um, you know, we'd love to talk to you. So right into our support teams and then they'll, they'll funnel it up to the right people. Very cool. And we will have a link to that community forum and the Twitter account, if you haven't found it already, uh, in the show notes. So just uh, scroll down in your app and you can find those links. Uh, Bremner, thank you so much for coming yeah, on thanks, the Creative Thomas. Show today. Yeah, appreciate it. And don't forget, the Creative Funding Show is an affiliate of Patreon. So if you want to help the show out while also helping yourself out, sign up for Patreon at creativefunding.show forward slash Patreon affiliate link. This link will uh, put some money into your creator account and it also helps out the creative funding show. Thank you so much for listening.